Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Everything seems to be on the up and up. Unemployment is down. The stock market is up. The economy is better than ever. Today, Pastor J.D. will remind us of the danger of forgetting the Lord when in the midst of abundance and blessing. You see, it doesn't matter if life is good or bad. We need the Lord in our lives just the same. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 8, 2018. I want to talk to you today about the developments of prophetic significance on the Israel-Syria border. While there are kite bombs over Israel and even earthquakes in Israel, it's the Syrian border with Israel that I would argue is the greatest threat to Israel. And you probably haven't heard much about this, if anything, especially here in the United States of America. It seems that all of the news coverage is on everything but what is happening uh, to Israel and in Israel. It's been my long-held belief that the specificity of just one prophecy in the Bible concerning Damascus, Syria, points to its fulfillment being a trigger and a catalyst that will set in motion the fulfillment of subsequent and important prophecies. And I'm, of course, referring to just one verse, one prophecy in Isaiah 17, verse 1, which says, a prophecy against Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. In order to see the strategic and even prophetic location of the Israel-Syria border, and for those of you that go to Israel with us, uh, we've actually been there, uh, but one need look no further than to a map of the Middle East pictured here. Notice the border there with Syria in the area known as the Golan Heights. It's important to understand that Damascus is about 135, 136 miles from Jerusalem. That's how close in proximity Damascus is. And it's for this reason that Russia, Iran, Turkey, et al., are all in Syria, and even more specifically on the border of the Golan Heights there 
with the border between Israel and Syria. Here's the thing. When, not if, when Damascus becomes a heap of ruins, I would submit that it will set in motion the prophecy in Ezekiel 38 concerning the Russian-Iranian-led attack on Israel for the purpose of taking the wealth, the spoil, the prosperity that Israel today enjoys. This is why Russia and Iran are there in the first place, and it's also why they have no intentions of going anywhere other than into and against Israel vis-a-vis Syria, exactly as we're told they would. I'm going to take it a step further, and I know I run the risk whenever I do this of uh, sounding sensational, but um, I'm going to uh, say that I really believe that we are on the cusp of seeing this uh, fulfilled. Well, Pastor, come on, you you tell us that virtually every week. Well, it seems that every week we move even closer to Damascus becoming that ruinous heap, and every week we move closer to Russia and Iran chiefly making their move into Israel. And it's evidenced by this Times of Israel report about the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, saying that it would be, quote, absolutely unrealistic to expect Iran to completely withdraw from Syria. You have to understand that Israel is doing everything it can to keep Iran from entrenching itself in Syria as it is even now doing. To make matters worse, this comes at a time when the 1974 separation of forces agreement between Israel and Syria may be in danger of collapsing. According to Ynet News, Syria announced its intention to return military forces to the town of Quinetra, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is located three kilometers from the Israeli border. On Wednesday, Israel's IDF chief of staff visited the eastern Golan Heights in order to assess the situation and, listen, the possible scenarios that could erupt as a result. The IDF is preparing for the possibility that the Syrians will not respect the 1974 agreement, which could lead to a military conflict with Israel. You'll forgive me, but that sounds an awful lot like Ezekiel 38 to me. This conflict with Israel, this attack on Israel. And as you might imagine, Israel will not sit idly by. The Jerusalem Post reported about how the IDF 
is beefing up its troops on the Golan Heights near Syria, and wisely so. In it they quote an official statement which reads, the IDF attaches great importance to maintaining the 1974 disengagement agreement between Israel and Syria, adding that while the IDF will continue to maintain the principle of non-involvement in the Syrian civil war, it will continue its policy of reacting firmly to cases in which Israeli sovereignty is harmed and Israeli civilians are threatened. Is that happening? You better believe it's happening. That's why they're there. I was really uh, interested in the uh, concluding uh, part of this report. In early June, Major General Tamir Heyman warned at a closed-door conference that Tehran is trying to increase its efforts and capabilities to launch rockets and establish terror cells that can penetrate into Israel and harm communities on Israel's Golan Heights. Displaying a map showing where Iranian forces are based in Syria, Haman told the crowd at the conference, quote, you probably think, well, this is because they are trying to help the Assad regime to fight terror. But there is no threat to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. And so why do they stay? If they came in order to only assist the regime, so then thank you and goodbye. Make sense? Why are you there, Iran? Why are you there, Russia? Oh, was it under the guise of propping up this Bashar al-Assad? Well, it sounds like he's okay, thank you very much. You can go home now. Well, I'll tell you why you're not going to go anywhere. I'll tell you why you're not going to go home. I'll tell you why you're still there and moving closer to that border. Because Ezekiel, some 2,500 plus years ago, said that this is exactly what you would do and why you would do it. That's why. That's why they're there. At the ready. Thankfully, Israel knows the real reason They're there and seeking to entrench themselves on the Syria-Israel border. And to his credit, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made it explicitly clear in no uncertain terms that they will destroy any Iranian Hezbollah or militias that take up positions on its Golan Heights border. Now, Uh, Oh, by the way, a spoiler alert. Uh, They actually are dealt a decimating and devastating blow, and Israel will prevail, not because Israel is strong, but because of Israel's God. There's a detail in Ezekiel 38 where God says, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to defeat them. They're going to launch this allied attack against you, and I will defeat them. You know why? So that they and you will know that I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. That's why. According to breaking Israel uh, news, Prime Minister Netanyahu is due to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin again next week to discuss this very thing. Suffice it to say, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out in the days ahead. I used to say in the weeks and months ahead. I don't say that anymore because it does seem to be playing out even now on a daily basis. There is this revving up, if you will, this speeding up, if you prefer. However, that presupposes that there's still an interest in what's about to happen. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, hear me out. As I was preparing and praying for today's update, the Lord answered a question that I had been inquiring about petitioning the throne about as of late. And it's the question of our tendency toward complacency. Again, just bear with me and hear me out. For myself personally, I ask God to search my heart as I guard my heart from my own propensity for complacency, especially when things in America seem to be looking up. Things are seemingly good. Unemployment is down, stock market's up. I mean, things are pretty good. And wouldn't you agree that when things are going good, the Lord's return isn't, we don't long for it as much as we do when things are not going so good? You know how it is when you're in a trial, you want the Lord to come back yesterday, right? Again, you'll forgive the personal reference, but I think the Lord maybe put it on my heart to share this. When I was in high school, I was not a very good uh, boy. (laughs) It was before I got saved, and I was a teacher's kid. My dad was a teacher in the school, and I kind of rebelled. I didn't kind of rebelled. I I rebelled. And I actually almost got expelled. I ended up getting uh, suspended. Uh, for a week. I did something really uh, stupid. I thought it was kind of funny, but uh, <laughs> you're looking at me like, what'd you do? I'm not going to tell you. But anyway, <laughs> I had this one teacher pull me aside and say to me, and this is my senior year, you know, if things were really good for you in high school, and I know they're not, uh, you wouldn't want to leave. But the fact that it's not good for you, you can't wait to graduate. 
You know what I wanted our uh, motto to be at graduation? I, this is not hyperbole. This is I've shared this before. Uh, I've come out of my coma to receive my diploma. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. I loathe, and it didn't help when, you know, the teachers would say to you something to the effect of, you really should enjoy high school. They're the best years of your life. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the best it's ever going to be right here? <laughs> You're, shoot me now. I cannot wait to get out of here. My senior year was the longest year of my life. And she said, because of that, that's what makes you want to leave. Now, this is many years later. I come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance what that teacher, not a Christian, said to me. Because I understood it this way. Um, If things are really good down here, you don't want to leave. Right? It's when things are not good down here that you so want out of here. Right? I think of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering unthinkable persecution. Many face life and death scenarios every single day because of their profession for Christ. And that's so foreign to us here in America. We we take even this beautiful church building and the freedom that we have to worship here for granted. You go to China, go to Iran, and see what it's like, even just for one day, see what it's like for the Christians there. I don't say that to lay a heavy trip on anyone. I only say it because in my own life I have often pondered whether persecution or prosperity is harder to handle. And may I humbly suggest that I'm coming to the conclusion that it's the latter. I think when things are good, that's more dangerous than when there's persecution. I've heard it said this way, and I've often said it this way. You want to grow the church and expand the kingdom? Persecute the church. Do you know what's happening in Iran right now? You know, with the Iranian people, the protests that are taking place, you know how many Christians there are in Iran? We'll see them in heaven. You have no idea. The multitudes of people that are coming to Christ in Iran. In Iran, China. My uh, birthplace of Lebanon. And that's why, I think. You know, it's harder to share the gospel in America than it is in other countries. I believe for that reason. Again, I don't want to lay a heavy trip on anybody. I don't want to, you know, beat up on anybody. But I think of the parable Jesus taught 
about the seed falling among thorns being those who get caught up with the cares and the affairs of this world. When that happens, it's only a matter of time before the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the Word of God and the things of God. I'll never forget after 9-11 how full my church was on the mainland that following Sunday. It seems like that when something like that happens, it wakes people up. But then sadly, it's not very long before they get drowsy again and get sleepy, and it seems as though a sleepy apathy and disinterest has taken up residence within the church today. You know, I, I often wonder, when you talk about the rapture of the church and the return of the Lord and Bible prophecy, I wonder how much of the indifference that we're met with is due to this, things are good now. I don't want to leave. But boy, let adversity strike. I think of Ecclesiastes 7.14, Solomon writes, by the Spirit. During times of prosperity, enjoy. But when, not if, when adversity strikes, Stop and consider and realize that God brings both prosperity and adversity. Why? So that man can discover nothing about his future. Another translation renders it, so that man's uncertainty will point him to the Lord. We don't know what the future holds when adversity strikes, but we know who holds the future. And that's what happens when when. Things aren't going so well. Doesn't it make you want the Lord to come back? And conversely, when things are going very well, ah, no hurry. Things are good now. Jesus spoke to this by way of a letter to the church in the city of Laodicea. It's the seventh of seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. We know it today as modern-day Turkey. And there's one place in this letter that really strikes me, and I want to read it. It's verse 17, Revelation 3. He says this, Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Oh, that's why. That's why you're lukewarm. That's why you're neither hot nor cold. That's why you don't want the Lord to come back. There's there's no hurry. Things are good right now. I have need of nothing. And this was a very prosperous church and city, historians tell us. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass 
in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s prophecy updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this prophecy update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.